song. You can't pastor in Big Blossom, Indiana, not like that. Bill Monroe had a bluegrass deal going on until he died. And so he had it about oh, 50 something years. And he's just through the woods from our church. And so I never went nowhere. I thought it was worldly, but I could sit on the front porch and listen to it. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, one time on Sunday afternoon, I went and sat on the front porch and I had Jimmy Davis, 90 something years old, and he was singing. And it sounded like he sang as good as he ever could. And he was former governor of Louisiana. And he had that hit song, You Are My Sunshine. And he sang that song all the way to the governor's mansion. Then when he got to be, and by the way, he was saved in R.G. Lee's church down there when R.G. Lee pastored in New Orleans. And so later on, he changed the song. And the name of the song, Nameless Christ, is my sunshine. And uh, so I thank God for all those guys. And I don't know, probably a lot of them might say, but uh, anyway, I like to hear them anyway. And so, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 23. And I'll read a couple of verses and tell you that everything I preach tonight, I learned as a boy growing up in the red clay hills of Choctaw County, Mississippi. And so, that made me an expert on this, okay? Alright, Matthew 23, 37. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left in you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall, shall not see me henceforth, yet ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so for a few minutes tonight, I will try to preach, you, preach to you this subject, Chicken House Religion. Now, Heavenly Father, we're glad for this place, and we're glad for the good singing that's going on, the people of the King, and the preacher that's led this and prayed, and the people who prayed. And I pray you bless all their efforts. I pray you'd help us tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray, oh God, that there'd be something in the sermon that would help somebody in their Christian life and heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, let me start off right from the back. First of all, if you have chicken house religion, you've got to be born in chicken. Now, I'm using the word born. It's really, I'm not totally dumb. It's the word hatched. But being hatched and being born is the same thing. Hank Williams Sr. had an old song about how things went so bad in his life. And uh, he was going to get an inheritance and they went to court. And the preacher proved that he wasn't born, he was hatched. And uh, so the preacher, I mean the lawyer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so anyway, don't listen to what I say, just listen to what I'm thinking, all right? And uh, so anyway, I know that you've got to be born a chicken. So a chicken comes about through the right ingredients. You have to have a rooster, you have to have a hen, and you have to have incubation. Now you can have all the old hens you want, but if you want... Uh, eggs to hatch, you've got to have a rooster around. And even though you may have old hens and a, and, uh, a rooster, you have to have old hens that are willing to sit. Now, I don't know, I got some fresh scars on my hand this week where I was taking some old hens off the nest and putting them in jail. 
And so if you don't want them to hatch eggs and have a bunch of little bitties, you put the old hens in jail about four or five years, then you let them out, and they're over that urge to set. But they always don't like you messing with them, and they'll peck you. Now, when I was a kid, I scared them a bit old uh, Rhode Island Reds. Uh, you reached in their nest, they nail you every time. And so when I get the eggs, I get a stick and I go down there and I press their head up against the edge of the nest and then I reach in there and get the eggs. How many ever did that? Oh my goodness. Not very many. Wow. Well, at least there are a few smart people in here. Well, I did come up north to be a missionary, but I'm not really <laughs> but anyway, you have to have those three. Now we know that salvation is the work of three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to 1 John chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. And so, and by the way, these all these new Catholic Bibles and all that, they leave that verse out of their Bibles, and it's the greatest proof of the Trinity in the Bible. But nevertheless, we know that there's the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our, in our salvation. And so we're glad for that. And the Bible said these three agree in one. There never has been just a plan of salvation by the Father. There never has been just the plan of salvation by the Son. There never has been just the plan of salvation by the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, there's always been one plan of salvation, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are in complete agreement on it. And so it takes the work of those three in our life, just as it takes a rooster and a hen and incubation to make a chicken. Now, an egg in a chicken house does not make a chicken. Now you can take an egg, you go to the chicken house and go right in the door and set it on an egg, on the ledge, and you leave it there for a while, but it never does become a chicken. Now you can take it, you take one of them pretty Easter eggs, you go and put it in another place in the chicken house and wait and wait and wait, and it never will become a chicken. It takes the incubation of a mother hen sitting on that egg to produce life and bring it into the world. Just because someone goes to church and sits there for years does not mean that they're a Christian. Uh, just because they show up every time does not mean that they're a Christian. You can have people in a church house, but that doesn't mean that they're in Christ. And so anyway, I'm just saying that, uh, that, that it doesn't work that way. Now there's some things you have to do. I used to have my grandmother Brown set old hens. And uh, we uh, never would set them on Sunday. The Browns are real strict Christian people. And so we'd either set them on Monday or we'd set them on Saturday. And so we never set them on Sunday. And of course, how many days does it take for a chicken egg hatch? You look pretty smart. <laughs> Well, anybody looks. <laughs> Alright, you'll never forget this. I'm going to tell you straight out face to face. 21 days. A hen has to sit on those eggs 21 days before they hatch, okay? Got that? Okay. Now, she sits there. So, we would mark the eggs with a pencil. 
when we'd set and so we never set on Sunday, and but we and we never would count Sunday as one of the days. So I never figured out how that worked. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's the way we always did it. And so we mark it on the calendar that we had, and our calendars came from the uh, funeral home, and they were always free. Now these were good calendars. They told when the sun came up and when the sun went down. It told the days when it was uh, good to cut hogs, the days when it was not, when the signs were wrong. Uh, it told the days the fish were going to be biting. It told all those things on there. And, uh, and so uh, the funeral home gave it to us, and it would be up there. And so we put a mark so we know the day when the eggs were going to hatch. Now, we had a funeral home to house. When you went to church, you also had a funeral home fan. And so, uh, and then once a month, a man came walking by our house, his fingers cut off, couldn't work the saw mill anymore because he got him in the saw. And I don't know how he handled money, but he did a good job. And he collected money for the funeral home. When I was a kid, I thought the funeral home was the most important place around. <laughs> and uh, so we're reminded of it all the time. And so anyway, we'd mark, we'd mark on the calendar those days, and so we would wait for a period of time. And of course, because of this work that went on in there, it was a wonderful thing. Now, you're set by him, so that makes you smart too, right? <laughs> Why did we mark the eggs with a pencil? Probably one of you little boys know. Why did we mark the eggs with a pencil? Oh man. Oh preacher. Let me pick on somebody else. Uh, okay. I bet you ladies though. Why do you mark the eggs with a pencil? Aha! You mark the eggs because when the old hen said, another old hen would come and get in that nest and lay an egg in there. So you would check every day, you'd look under that hen, and if there were eggs under there that didn't have pencil marks on them, you took them out, and you ate them. <laughs> Otherwise, you would be guessing. And say about 10 days went by, and you got an egg, and you forgot to mark them, but it looks good and fresh. <laughs> and you take it to the house, and your mom takes it, and she cracks it and opens it up, and it's half egg and half chicken. Now, when I eat chicken, I want chicken. When I eat eggs, I want eggs. But I don't like that in between stuff. <laughs> so that's why it's so important to mark. And then after a period of time went by, 21 days, you couldn't force it. Give me another test. I'll try you, okay? I'm striking out over here with that. We go and look, and the eggs would be pipped. You know what a pipped egg is? No. How many of you here know? Same people. Alright. With time for that egg to hatch, that chicken that's in there where it is dark, it's never seen the light of day, it doesn't, it doesn't know anything. But somehow something comes upon that chicken and it's time to be born. And all squeezed in there, tighter than all get out, 
somehow he raises his beak back and he hits that egg on the inside and there and then the, the shell pops outside and that's called being pimped. And so after that, after pimp, that little chicken in there goes around 360 degrees in that egg and then pushes it apart and it's hatched. And so that chicken that never seen the light of day and knew about the light of day, there is something that went on within him that made him want to seek the light. There was something in him that made him want to be born. And with people that hear the gospel and hear about Jesus Christ and are in darkness and lost and undone, they hear the word of God and God begins to work in their heart and in their life. And so they come to the place where the work of God is going on in their life and they are born again and they see the glorious light of the gospel which is in Jesus Christ. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so that chicken gets life. And you and I, when we came to Jesus Christ, we were in darkness, we were lost, we were bound up in a shell of sin. But thank God Jesus Christ set us free. So you've got to be born chicken. Secondly, you've got to be fed chicken food. Now, every year we would order baby chicks. We would listen to WCKY in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they would advertise them there, and you'd get a hundred for two dollars and ninety-eight cents. They sold motor fixing, two dollars and ninety-eight cents. They sold pills to take away pain, two dollars and ninety-eight cents. <laughs> now you see it on TV; it's nineteen ninety-five, right? <laughs> Same thing. But anyway, they'd sell, and so we'd order them. And most of the ones you got in the mail were roosters. You might get three or four hens out of a hundred. And the mailman would bring them. He'd go, he'd stop the mailbox, he'd blow the horn, and uh, we'd go scrounge it, look at our couch and everywhere else, try to get $2.98 together, uh, plus shipping and handling, run out there and pay him. And so I'd bring them little chickens and I'd put them on the porch, just like this right here. I'd open a box. See for any dead ones in there. Sometimes they were. So I'd reach in there and I'd pick some out the yard, and the dogs immediately eat them. And uh, so then I'd go in the house and I'd get newspaper and spread it on the porch. Then I'd go in the house and I'd get some meal. And I'd get some mayonnaise lids. And so I'd pick the mayonnaise lids and put them down and pour water in it. I'd take the meal and I'd spread it there on that paper and I'd get them little chickens out and place it there. And they would uh, kind of wobble a little bit and then all of a sudden they'd see that meal and they'd start eating. And I don't know if you heard little chickens eating the first time, but man, that is a wonderful sound that they make when they're eating that cornmeal. I mean, it's wonderful. And you know, when people come to the light, get saved, and they go to the church and yeah. start listening to work, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I'm 17 years old, and I got saved. Went to church now and then, but I started going every time. So I went to training unions on a Sunday night. 
and they gave me one of those uh, booklets that Southern Magnuses always do. And, but it had a Bible reading thing in the back. And so I started following that and reading my Bible where it told you to read every day. And it was a great help to me. And you know, as I read the Bible, sometimes I'd read the Scripture and I'd go to church and the preacher would preach on it. Isn't that amazing when you're a young Christian, all the helps that God gives you along the way? Isn't it amazing God puts things before you to help you, to help you in the needs that you have in your life? But anyway, they come out. And so then some of them go over to the mayonnaise lids and, uh, and uh, put their beak in there and get a little water in, raise back, swallow it like that. And some of them would have to weigh the water first and they would drink. And then some of them would have to pick up and poke their bill down there and get them to catch on. These are the ones that were imported from Poland. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, we would feed them chicken food. Now that's what they had to eat because they couldn't, you give them grains of corn, they starve to death. They couldn't swallow a grain of corn. And you know, when you get saved, it's good that you learn the simple things of the Bible about, you know, being saved and getting assurance and serving God and being faithful to God. But sometimes people, they get saved, and the first thing they want to understand is predestination. You would choke to death on that. You got to start with those little things and grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ so you'll be stronger. And like in little chickens, you put on feathers to help you against the cold and all that was going on. And so, anyway, that's what we feed them. We feed them chicken food. Now, as preachers, we are called to feed the sheep. We give them sheep food. We're not called to slop the hogs. Now, in the Bible, sheep is a type of those that are saved, and hogs are a type of those that are lost. In our kitchen, we had a big five-gallon metal bucket. Everything, when the women would wash in a dishpan, everybody's too old to know what a dish, or too young to know what a dishpan is. That's where he washed the dishes. He didn't have a sink. And you didn't have running water. You had to bring it in, heat it, put it in there. But when you're done washing dishes, they pour that old soapy water in there. And then if you had anything that is spoiled, you put that in there. Then when you peeled your taters, you put it in there. And then if you had rotten tomatoes, you threw them in there. Now you may talk different than that, but I'm talking southern to you right now, so. Uh, so I'm talking proper. But anyway, everything went in there. I used to love it when people that smoked would throw it in there, and I like to hear that sizzle when the cigarette went out. And uh, I had an uncle, he could take a pack of beef stuff to back there and stick it all in his jaw at one time. And he held that in there to lunchtime. And he'd come in there and he'd throw it in there. And so at the end of the day, it's my job to take that out and slop the hogs. <laughs> and so I get it and I walked real careful through the kitchen. I walked real careful through the dining room. And then I walked careful across the back porch. And then I started down the steps. And when I started down the steps, that stuff in that 
the five-gallon bucket started moving. And about the third step, it spilled out on my leg. Jared, slop on your leg. Huh? It feels awful. It feels terrible. All that stuff on your leg. But no problem. Time I got to the barn, dogs licked it off my leg. And so, and so anyway, I get out there to the barn, and we had what's called a sack of shorts. Not what people wear, but it's some kind of refuge of wheat or something. And I had a, a coffee can. I dip it. And I put it in the slop bucket and stir it up with a little stick. Then I'd go down to the hog pen and I'd pour it in the hog trough. And they would come running and squealing. Hogs like slop better than anything Karina ever invented. <laughs> and they would come up there and I'd always watch them because they stick their snout down in there and blow bubbles. <laughs> They were trying to get the solid food that was down in there. And some days it was, they blew so many bubbles, you would think you were watching the Lawrence Welk show. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that's the way hogs are. Hogs eat dead chickens. Hogs eat snakes. Hogs eat their eggs up, whatever, because they're a hog. But God never called us to slop hogs. He called us to feed sheep. And so we give people what sheep need. And that is sheep food. And so if you have chicken opportunity, you've got to be born of chicken. Secondly, you've got to be fed chicken food. Then, thirdly, you must grow before you can produce. Now, the chickens get older. You can feed them food and corn and Corn was our basic, basic food that we would uh, uh, give them. And some would grow up be layers, but the, remember the roosters I talked about? We put them up when they were about half grown. And then one day my mama would say, come out here and help me. Would you crawl up in that chicken pen and hand them chickens out to me? I'd go out there, I'd crawl in there and hand one to her. She weighed, I'd hand another to them. She had them around the neck. And my grandmother would do this. That will not kill a chicken, but that sudden stop would take its head off every time. They would run and flop, spew blood everywhere, and uh, just do everything. I mean, talk about fun to watch. There ain't anything more fun to watch than chicken when its head cut off. And so, and they were young. And so we'd skin them. Those old roosters, no hens, and you know, they was old, you couldn't skin, and you'd have to put them in hot water. Oh, I hated that smell, pull the feathers off, and then they had some kind of hair sticking out, and you so we always set paper on fire and put it in there and singed them. That always stunk too. That's a smell I really don't want to smell again. I hate it. And so we'd singe them. And uh, and then uh, take the innards out and uh, keep the uh, liver and uh, keep the uh, gizzard and uh, and then uh, we'd uh, bake them in the oven. Now I liked it when we killed the young ones in the in the early spring, and when we did, we'd go back to preacher over. 
And uh, so we'd have fresh fried chicken. And so people say, well, preachers eat chicken all the time and they don't like it. I ain't never been chicken I didn't like that was in the pot. <laughs> I don't care how you fix it. I like it. Chickens were born to be chicken, uh, to be preacher food. <laughs> and so, and uh, so anyway, uh, he would come over, man, we'd have one at a time. Now listen to this, young fried chicken, fresh tomatoes, gravy, and biscuits. Wow. <laughs> I think that's what we have to marry supper of lamb and say. But you have to grow. Now, as Christians, you need to grow. You need to learn things as you grow up, like, you know, tithing, uh, being faithful to church, loving the preacher, and uh, helping take care of the preacher, and all those kind of things that are very important. And so they must grow before they produce. And then some of them wouldn't roost in the chicken house, especially bandits. We had no cedar tree by our chicken house, and they'd fly up and roost in that cedar tree. When they could be in the chicken house with the door locked at night. But they'd go up there and we'd go out one day and guess what? Some were missing. The varmints got the ones that would not roost in the chicken house. Now, people that won't be loyal and faithful to the local church. There you go. It used to be Herbert W. Armstrong got them, but you know, he's dead and gone now, and his program is too. But they used to be on every station every night throughout America. The world tomorrow with Herbert W. Armstrong. And so a lot of people get involved in that, listen to that. In our day and time, a lot of people, I'd gotten old for years, and he got saved, and I baptized him. Can't even come to church because he is a TV Christian. He watches all them nuts on TV. And uh, I call it the comedy channel. Sometimes I just turn over there and go down through there and watch what he... Okay, I believe this is criminal. Guys probably go to hell for this and other things. He was over there and said, listen, folks. He said, I have a financial problem. And I need you to send me a thousand dollars this week. And God will bless you a hundredfold. If you don't have the money, go put it on your credit card and send it to me. That is wicked. Amen. That is ungodly. Amen. For him to ask the Christian to go in debt so he can have his whatever you want to call it. I can't take a good name, so I'm going to take a bad one, so I'm not saying it. <laughs> but, uh, but to keep his program going. Preacher, you and I would never do that in our life. Ask somebody to borrow money to help us do whatever we were doing. It's not right. And besides that, God is not in it, and you ain't getting it back from God. You just lost it. And so maybe you get smarter if you do that. But I'm just saying that uh, the chicken house is like the local church. You try to live outside of it, <clears throat> and the varmints will get you. False doctrine will get you. False prophets will get you. False religion will get you. Here, while back, I was out in the yard, I was working, and I was hot. And here come two troublehood witnesses. And there's a man and woman traveling together, which I've never seen that before. 
and uh, maybe they change some things. But anyway, it's at Dayton, Ohio, they're having a convention and won't know if I'd be interested in going. And I said, I am not a prospect for years. I said, I salute the American flag. I believe that there are wars that are necessary. And I had three uncles and stepdad in World War II. And uh, I had somebody kid to him in career in war. And, uh, and I had friends in Vietnam War. And, I had, and my first cousin in Vietnam War. I had a son that was in Desert Storm. I've got two boys in the Army right now. And I said, uh, uh, we're, and I vote. So I don't think I'm a, a, a good, and so she took her thing back like that and left. <laughs> You know, I don't have much use for religions that are against the American flag in American way and American soldiers and all that. I just don't. And so, you know, that's what they, they stand for all that. But anyway, if you don't roost in the chicken house and show his witness, I'll get you. It's the local church. God put it there one day so it would be a place of safety. Amen. A place of safety. And, uh, and besides that, Jesus Christ is the founder of the local church. Yep. He founded the church. Yep. And it was founded before Pentecost. And uh, it was empowered at Pentecost. The church was already here. The 120 that met in the upper room was a church that was already here. And so we're glad for the church that Jesus died for the church and He's coming for the church one of these days. And that'll be a hallelujah day. Let me check my time. We'll take all broken prize. Now, a preacher asked me, he said, what's the doctor you've had more trouble with in Brown County than any other? And I said, the rapture. <clears throat> he was shocked, but that's true. I've had more people with arguments with me. I've had more people fall out with me because I believed in rapture. Now, think of this. How dumb can you be? When Jesus comes, you say you believe in the resurrection? Yeah. The resurrection and the rapture happens at the same time. The resurrection is for dead in Christ, and the rapture is for living in Christ. We're all caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So how do you not believe in that? And uh, it means we're transported. We're that are alive, don't have to die, but we're going to be changed and transported up to glory. And uh, and the ones in the grave, of course, they're going to rise first because uh, they're a little bit lower than us and they have to uh, have a little head start. But uh, anyway, I'm just saying that, uh, and I never could, some people cannot get it. You can't get it through their brain. Uh, you couldn't drive it in with a nail and a hammer, and they just won't believe that. But what else can I believe? It's right there in the Bible. Come on, brother. Right there in the Bible. And so, anyway, I don't know why I was off on that. But uh, anyway, I'm just saying that uh, if you don't roost in the church house, some old fox is going to get you. And then, when one hen cackles, they all uh, are, when one hen, one hen lays, they all cackle. She comes off the nest cackling, and the other hens around started cackling. Only one did the job, but all of them are trying to take the credit. 
<laughs> Sometimes people, you know, when things are going well in church, people try to take on the credit, but when it's not going so well, they don't take any of the credit, do they? And so they try to stay away from that. And uh, so, but people are like chickens, they do that. And then they have a roosting order. Every night, a chicken comes in the chicken house and they roost in the very same place. In most churches, the first time you come and sit, you're probably sitting there the rest of your life. <laughs> there are people that sat in that pew so long, it's kind of grooved out to fit them. <laughs> and so, and, and that's hard, I'm not knocking that. And uh, I'm not saying that that is wrong. But, uh, so, my cousins and I used to go out in the chicken house and rearrange them. You know what happens when you rearrange them? They fight. Absolutely fight. And so, you know, you've been sitting there 25 years and come in one Sunday and somebody's got your loose <laughs> What are you going to do? What well, happened years ago, Ms. Brown and I went to Annapolis to an inner city church here for his ball preach. And uh, she, and our kids were little. One of them was walking, but the second boy was not. And it's wintertime, February. She had these, you know, winter suits on him and all that. And carrying a diaper bag and holding a little boy in her hand and what have you. And, uh, I would have helped her, but I'd carry my Schofield Bible. And, uh, <laughs> so we got in there in the old storefront building. The only place set was on the back. And so she goes there on the back seat, unzips uh, Jonathan, gets all the stuff off of him, has James to sit there, and uh, puts the diaper bag in the right place and all that. And so the preacher said, I want all you preachers to come up and sit in the choir. So I go up there. Well, like a lot of storefront churches, the preacher isn't always the right place. But it was straight with the uh, back row. And so this woman comes out of the bathroom and sees Ms. Brown there. She looks at her and said, in this church, you can't even go to the bathroom without somebody stealing your seat. Ms. Brown said, well, I'll move. She said, no, I'm leaving. And slammed out the back door. Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying, though, don't be that way. <laughs> don't be like chickens when you mess up the rooster's order fight. And then... They have a pecking order. And that is, around the barn lot, there is one old hen that can outpeck all the other hens. I mean, no matter what, if there's food, she'll run over and get it. She'll run the others off. She is mean to all other chickens and other people's baby chickens. She pecks them, I mean, pecks them to death. Roll up your sleeve out a little bit, preacher. Oh, you got coming. Sorry to make it hard. It's what I figured. Some people think these are crack marks and they can go 
Chicken mites, you know, you have to dust them every year. The seven dust killed the mites off. But there was no danger of chickens giving us chicken mites. We wore that old hair oil. <laughs> I went to a little country school, white and kin roof, and, 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 and in summertime, man, it was hot in there. And about 10 o'clock in the morning, that hair will always start running out of your hair down your neck. I always hated that. Hated it. So we were in there. She thought we'd get chicken lights. But that's not true. You see, back in those days, you didn't wash your hair. You had changed your oil every 3,000 miles. <laughs> How many of you remember the running hair oil? He got hot. Yeah, not me, yeah. Some of you did Most of you folks had it too good in life. <laughs> and then they'll peck one another to death. Go down here and get a good volunteer. I won't volunteer. I do it up front where everybody can say, this boy got town, so I know he knows something. Now, let me ask you a question. It's not hard, so don't get nervous. Don't go bring dead, all that kind of stuff. This is real easy. Okay? All right. Where are chicken's eyes at? Where at on the head? Y'all know better? You're laughing. Does that mean you know the answer? No! Yeah. A chicken's eyes are on the side of their head, right here. And so, when a chicken wants to look at something real close, they don't go up and look like that. They go up and look like that. So, Christians are kind of the same way. And uh, so, well, I hate to pick on these young boys so much, but they're up here. <laughs> Somebody said, go ahead and take them off. <laughs> Probably okay. So, if I were a chicken, and I walk by you, and I see a scab on your head, I'd lean over and look at it, and then I'd peck it. <laughs> well, that makes it worse. And another old chicken to come by and they'll see it further away because it's worse and they'll come over and peck it. And you know them chickens will peck that chicken to death. They really will. They'll peck it to death. And also they're cannibalistic. They'll peck it to death and eat it. Now, 
Christians. Notice something wrong with some other Christian. And uh, maybe they've got a plug a bull of the woods in their top shirt pocket. Y'all know what bull of the woods is, right? The old chewing back in the plug where you cut it off with your knife and do that or bite it off. Every old country store sold that. That bull of the woods, workman, and I forget what all brands. So he just started coming to church and got saved. You see that. And you call Bill Smith up. And you say, Bill, you know Joe Jones? Yeah, you know he just got saved. Picture baptized to come to church. I saw him the other day, and he had a plug of bull of the woods in his pocket. The guy said, do say. So next time he sees him, he walks over, and the first thing he's doing is looking in his pocket. See what he's got. And so he says, you know, we ought to do something about that. We ought to tell him off real good. That he needs to throw that tobacco away. It's a bad testimony and all that. And so they go and they peck on him. Now listen real careful. If the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God and the preaching of the preacher from the pulpit does not straighten anybody out, you sure can't. You sure can't. But we're like chickens. We like to find faults in others so that we can peck on them. And then, some hens are laid, but they won't sit. I mean, they might sit eight or nine days and they come off the nest and the eggs are ruined. That's always bad if they won't stay 21 days and hatch those chickens out. Christians are like that. They get saved. They start serving God. They come to the altar. They pray for their family. They pray that God will save them. They're worried about them. They want you to go visit them. You go visit them. And uh, you try to work on getting them to go to church and all that. And finally, you get to the place that they say, we'll come, preacher. And lo and behold, just as that's going to happen, these people that prayed for their family and all that and had been sitting on those eggs trying to get them hatched, they come off the nest. They quit. They give up on God and quit serving God just about the time their family's going to come to Christ. Give up. Give up. We live in a give up age, don't we? I'm not a give-upper. I still haven't come to a place to recognize the North won the war. <laughs> I don't believe in giving up. I've seen young preachers have some little, what I consider little problems. Give up. If you stayed there, those eggs might have hatched. Stay at it. Stay at it. Well, we knew the ones that wouldn't stay sitting, and as soon as they started, well, we threw them in jail right quick. 
so can we throw him in the pot? And so, you're not done when you just lay the eggs. You've got to set to lay eggs. You've got to keep on working and keep on praying. You know, I know setting hens, especially in the south, where I'm from, it gets hot in the summertime. There they are sitting on that nest, under that tin roof. Man, it's hotter than blazes there. These other old hens, they're running around, dusting in the dirt, drinking water, flirting with roosters. And there she is, sitting on that nest. Day after day after day after day until the job is done. God saved us, called us, and expects us to stay at serving Him until the job is done. Let's bow our heads. Now, Heavenly Father, may the Word of God cut some heart, cut some life, and I pray, oh God, that you'd help us to be better than we are and faithfully serve you. I pray now that you bless the sermon tonight for Brother McBride, and I pray that you use him in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. I like it. Amen. I like it. Trouble is, too many Yankees in here don't know anything about farming, chickens, but we act just like that. Amen? That's just laying it out there where we're laying it out there where we're going to be That's good. I like it. I like it. Amen. Let's stand. You've been sitting. Let's stand. Thank you, Brother Brown. Appreciate that. Practical. I guarantee you we won't forget about that. I hope you don't. Think about that. Not picking on each other and judging each other. We stay at it, we stay at it, we stay at it. Some of you, you love your family, you're trying to win them to God, but it gets discouraging. You get down, you feel like giving up. I remember years ago when my dad called, I would pray and cry and pray and witness, and years and years and years passed. Listen, don't worry about that, that's just a microphone. Listen. I would pray and beg him, and he'd get mad at me. I'd get cussed out. I'd get told not to come back. All that stuff. It broke my heart. And I loved my dad. And I wanted to see him saved. And I'd get discouraged, and I'd lose my burden. And then God would get on me and rebuke me in a meeting like this about my lost family. And I'd get under the burden again. And I'd go back, and I'd get cussed out, and I'd get sent out, made fun of, and 17 years, I prayed for my dad to get some. Tent me. Tent me. Old preacher preached on hell. My dad sat right over here in a wheelchair from a stroke. And my dad waved me over and said, like this. And that usually meant he needed help to go to the restroom or something because he could not help himself. And I went over, I said, Dad, do you need to use the restroom? He said, no, I need to get saved. <laughs> Amen. Come on, park it. That's in heaven. 
lived four and a half, four, two and a half, four years, and I saw my dad grow as a Christian. Pray. Couldn't read the Bible because he was blind from the stroke, but he listened to it. And I never thought that tough, old, truck-driving, independent-thinking man would ever come to Christ. But listen, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't quit praying. Some of you, you may be down and discouraged because mom won't listen, dad won't listen, brother, sister won't listen, maybe a neighbor, an aunt, an uncle, a child won't listen. Don't quit. Don't quit. You keep serving God. You be faithful. Amen? And they'll come to know Christ. But don't quit. Amen? So listen, let's rethink this stuff as we leave tonight. What this preacher said, plain and clear.